Coming up in this podcast, Applecross Towers, Scarborough High Rise, Gary Brown Neves, Infrastructure Priorities, Cycling Fundraisers, Wayne Martin Retires, and our special report on agribusiness. Welcome to Mark My Words, the weekly podcast from Business News, with Mark Pownall and Mark Beyer discussing the important business news and data stories from Western Australia. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Uh, Mark, a bit of a land development theme today. Uh, firstly, looks, let's look at another major development opportunity in Applecross. Look, this is some, some positive news today for people looking at the uh, property market around Perth. Um, all sorts of quite diverse opportunities that are being pursued. Now, the Canning Bridge area, that's sort of been um, designated as a sort of higher density development precinct because of its proximity to the freeway and the railway. There's already several apartment projects underway there, uh, Norrup and Wilson, uh, Finbar, Stirling Capital. Uh, but there's potentially a much larger development that could happen. There's a site along Canning Highway, very close to Canning Bridge, currently owned by 12 different landholders. Uh. They've all come together mm. and said, well, look, here is 1.7 hectares in a prime spot, they've gone out and got Woods Bagot to do up some drawings to show what people could develop there if they acquire the entire site. Yep. So it's quite a um, you know an innovative and sort of quite visionary um, idea that they've put forward. Um, JLL is marketing the site. Um, they're saying look, you know, a billion dollars or more could be invested in that site. Yeah, right. And there's some drawings with sort of high-rise apartment towers, hotels, all sorts of other buildings. So, you know, we've been talking, it's a theme we talk about a lot, um, but here's a, a really uh, ambitious opportunity to get a lot more density into uh, the inner suburbs near public transport. Yeah, I know the area well. I actually grew up over that way, and um, I think there was a fish and chip shop from recollection that's a part of that that land collection you're talking about. And I was out there actually quite recently uh there, obviously, you've got one tower going up. You've already got the uh, the site on the raffles, and there's a another big one. I think Finbar are the ones doing the Sabina. That's right. Yeah. So those there's a lot of activity there already. So this would add to it. Be a, quite a busy spot for a while, but a great great place to live, I'm sure. Um, now, Mark, there's also some changes in the controversial Scarborough high-rise development. Yep. This is the iconic development. It's actually the name of the project, okay. not the description. <laughs> Uh, so look, this is the one that famously was rejected by the Metropolitan Redevelopment Authority yeah, last right. year. Uh, the people that were running the MRA are no longer there. It's now being merged with Landcorp. Um, but the, the MRA still exists as an entity, and they've been going through a long process with the developer, Three Oceans, mm -hmm. to try and come up with something that's acceptable. And this is a project the state government is keen to see develop. Essentially, that they've tweaked the design. The, the towers are slimmer than they had been, uh, but still very tall, um, 43 towers and 37 towers. Um, they've also changed the podium level. Um, there was a concern that that might be a bit too um, sort of heavy and intrusive, so that's been scaled back a little bit. Um, there are also concerns about traffic management in the area, but this is shaping up as a, a significant test. Now, once it, like Canning Bridge, that whole Scarborough beachfront area is a designated development zone. Yep. So there's scope for more than the average to happen there. Um, this development is, is the real test to see just how far we can go. 
So the developer seems to be going out of their way. And while there's a little bit of community concern, you certainly aren't getting the big outcry that you sometimes you've had uh, with other proposals for higher density oceanfront development. So I think looking promising and keen to see if it gets through. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, interesting, isn't it? And, and anyway, we've talked about that one quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, yeah, it hasn't got that big NIMBY element, which you know often isn't that big, but is often quite loud. Um, now, Mark, Gary Brown-Neves is a name many will know from housing construction. Web Brown-Neves is a pretty well-known name in the upper end of the of the building game. Um, he's behind a new industrial park. Yeah, so Gary's sold out of ABN Group, um, Alcock Brown-Neves, right. to Dale Alcock. Um, now, Sorry, I should say Web Brown-Neves was... I think a part of that wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Part. Yep, yep. Well, in fact, and then they brought in Dale Alcock yep. as the young uh, sort of general manager who then became chief executive, now owns the business. So there's a classic story. A the, story. the roof carpenter who now owns um, one of the state's biggest home builders. Or Bricky? Bricky. Oh. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I was thinking roof carpenter, okay. but certainly a tradie. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, Gary sold out of that business. Um, but he's got a lot of um, land development assets around Perth that he's accumulated over the years mm-hmm. and now doing an industrial estate down at Forestdale, um, down near Armadale, sort of near the end, extension of Tonkin Highway and so on. Yes. So on that sort of urban fringe. So look, here's a guy who's sort of putting his money into the market. Um, you know, he's seeing a, a long-term development opportunity there um, and, and, you know, He's not a young man, but he's clearly very active. Not, yeah. not quite as intense as running a home building business. He's left that to Dale, but <laughs> certainly sees some great opportunities in land development. Yeah, I went out to that op- to the, uh, the 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 opening actually, and uh, had a good chat to Gary. So uh, I've never I haven't actually met him before. He admitted he's very behind the scenes kind of character. So this is uh, not something he, the limelight wasn't something he was after, but he he recognised that he had to do it because uh, this was his project, and he said Dale normally prefers to do he used to prefer to do these things. Um, and look, right down there at the end for those of you uh, for those of the listeners who end up going to the rowing. It's right there, pretty much almost at the entrance to the Champion Lakes. Um, and not too bad, actually, a half an hour out of the city. I was actually, you know, moderately surprised at how easy it was to get there um, in terms of time. Um, but certainly the Armadale uh, group there, the, uh, the mayor and the chief executive, their big problem is they've got a huge amount of population growth out there and they need jobs. Jobs growth isn't matching it, so they're very keen to see this kind of stuff go ahead. And it ties into another topic we're planning to talk about, that east-west link along Rowley Road. Totally. Which takes you down towards Quinana, the industrial yeah. strip down oh, there. No, and this placement is fantastic for that. So if we see the outer harbour go ahead with um, and coming through Coburn right across to Armadale and Serpentine, Jarradale, that's a, a fantastic corridor, which needs to happen, quite frankly. I think it would do a great service to the city, and this is just taking advantage of it. Right, so, uh, and speaking of that... Infrastructure Australia has uh, had something to say about WA's priorities, is that right? That's right. So this is a national body. They do an evaluation of infrastructure projects around the country, um, typically in response to submissions that come in from state governments. Um, Of course, this has been contentious in Western Australia in recent years uh, because um, we haven't had the long-term consistent planning um, 
in terms of mapping out what are our priorities. And you know, listeners will know the priorities have chopped and changed an awful lot yep. um, in WA over the past four, five, six years. Uh, and in fact, there's a plan to address that by putting in place a similar body in, in locally called Infrastructure WA. And one of its goals is to have this sort of 10 to 20 year sort of plan about you know, what's important, mm-hmm. where does the money need to go. But in the meantime, we've got the people in Canberra doing some work. They've put at the top of their priority list uh, for WA um, the uh, transport infrastructure in the northern suburbs. So talking about an extension of the Mitchell Freeway further north up towards Yanship. And for people that drive up that way, the houses just keep on going. Yep. And also uh, the rail network, extending that out further that way. Um, and if you get stuck on that freeway, it can be a, a bit of a grind. Um, but they look, they've canvassed a whole range of things, um, some irrigation projects down in the southwest that um, we've, we've written about and spoken about. That's um, one of their priorities at Wellington Dam. Another one, third runway at Perth Airport. Uh, that's uh, something that a lot of work is uh, being done on Definitely. and seen as uh, something that's needed. Um, there's that congestion issue we have here when a lot of the interstate and FIFO flights yeah. all heading and off it's going to get, it's going around to get the same time. It's going to get worse. We're, oh, we're not going to see a boom, I don't believe, like we saw before, but we are going to see an increase in that traffic. We're going to see an increase just based on population of the more domestic traffic, and there will be more major projects up north, and that FIFO stuff will, will grow again. Mm. We need that stuff. But So the airport, uh, the third runway is put around sort of a the five-plus years in terms of you know, timeliness. Yep. What I also found interesting, and getting back to our earlier discussion, plans for a new harbour development, that's in the 10 to 15-year time frame. Yeah, right. And yet, yeah, this was one of the hot issues in the last state election. Yep. Perth Freightlink was canned. Labor said, we don't want to do that. We want to pursue our planning for an outer harbour down at Coburn Sound, That'll take all the pressure off the existing harbour at Fremantle. And yet, you know, it, it's a very long-term process. It would be a huge investment before this can happen. And the experts in Canberra are saying, well, 10 to 15 years. So that's a, a lot of traffic will be trundling down Leach Highway in the meantime, yep. going to the existing harbour. Yep. Hence Crazy. the importance of having sort of some some sensible... Uh, transparent planning around this, which we've not had in the WA. Totally agree. Now, Mark, the Hawaiian Ride for Youth, which funds Youth Focus, finished last weekend. Um, it is one of a couple of big cycling fundraisers that take place each year. The other one being the Maca Ride for Ride to Conquer Cancer for the Harry Perkins Institute of Medical Research. So, what what, what do we know about these two? These are consistently very successful, um, quite outstanding, really. Um, I mean, there's been you know, 20 or more. I did a, a list a couple of years ago about um, charity bike rides. And, yeah, there was a list, 20 or more on the list. Um, these two stood out head and shoulders above the others for how well organised they are and, fundamentally, the amount of money they raise. Yep. So the uh, a Ride for Youth had 170 riders this year. They it takes about a week. They come up through the southwest, and they actually stop oh, and off. And down from Geraldton, there were four rides. Oh, this you're right, year. yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, they stop off along the way, drop into schools and, and local towns, and actually sort of talk to people uh, about these issues. 
they raised $2.2 million. And they've been consistently raising around that level for several years now. So since it started in 2003, they've raised $19 million. Mm. So to sustain that success year after year is quite phenomenal. Yep. Um, but look, even better in terms of fundraising is the uh, the MACA Ride to Conquer Cancer. That's for the uh, the Perkins Institute. Uh, last year, they raised $4 million. So that's quite stunning. That's a, a larger group of people go in it. It doesn't. It goes for a weekend, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they've raised, I think, $27 million over six years. Quite incredible, isn't it? And they've got another one coming up this year. Yep. So any enthusiastic cyclists out there um, who want to participate, have a good ride, raise some money, there's your big opportunity. Yeah, no, it's a brilliant one. I, li- I like the, the difference between these two. I actually did go down to the finish of the, uh, the Youth Focus Ride for Youth one uh, on Saturday, which is a great event down at Kings Park. Um, I had a mate who was in it uh, and knew plenty of others. It's, it's, to me, it's very... Um, it's not just CEOs, but there is a, it's, it's a very it's, it's individuals who then come together in these small pelotons that, that go and there's four different routes. Um, but it does seem to be a very CEO or sen- you know, sort of senior exec kind of play and they train very hard for a long time in those sort of groups versus the, the Ride to Conquer Cancer for the Harry Perkins Institute and that is very much a team-driven thing. So it's more, you can go as an individual, but it's more like companies, I think, tend to put lots, you know, groups and teams in. And it's a shorter ride. It's over a weekend, down to Mandarin back. Um, and obviously, two different styles. Um, you know, I like both of them. They both have their place. Um, and I was, I'm interested also, the, the ride for youth represents about a quarter of Youth Focus's income, right? So it's a very significant part of it. The ride to conquer cancer represents about 16% of Perkins Institute, so again, very significant, although the numbers are much bigger there at Perkins and they're in different worlds. But uh, fascinating, and uh, it's, I think it's neat that one's finished now and kind of the, the MACA one starts to go into for, for October. Um, and, and MACA, I might add, a big fundraiser. I think they've raised some huge part of the, that funding that the Perkins ones gets, and they have lots and lots of people in their, in their, from their company go in it. And I think what's instructive there is that you know, corporates around Perth, we know that they're keen to support um, you know, charities, but they want to do something that is meaningful to their staff. And so these cycling events, you know, there are people out there who, who love their cycling, who, who also want to achieve something constructive. Yeah. And so corporates like Macca, and I know Woodside is another big one, they've got big groups of staff um, and customers and so on and suppliers and the corporates love to get behind it. So, um, no, it's brilliant. Hats off to them. Yeah. Now, Mark, uh, legal news this week was the decision of Wayne Martin to retire as Chief Justice to the Supreme Court of WA after 12 years. Uh, his predecessor, David Malcolm, was in the seat for 18 years before that. So, this is a bit of a rare occurrence. Yes, and we'll watch with interest to see who comes along next. Uh, look, you know, Wayne has had a, a very successful career, a very prominent uh, barrister. Um, and someone who was pushing hard to reform the judicial system um, and to make it more efficient. Um, He introduced quite a few significant reforms, Um, but I know he also had um, a constant battle to try and get more support from state government. So as as powerful and influential as he was, um, he 
he didn't get everything that he wanted. Mm. Um, and he remarked in his retirement comments that uh, there's still more to be done, uh, that the court system needs more support from government, needs more funding and resources. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there's something that his successor will inherit. <laughs> it's, it's like health and education, isn't it? The law, the legal system. Um, look, I think, you know, he famously obviously took out the need for Whigs um, is, is what, what he was kind of like, his first big change, which, you know, it's cosmetic, but I can see uh, how it, it's kind of almost what he'll be remembered for. Um, and he was obviously a significant figure prior to that. I think he was uh, deeply involved as a, the HIH Royal Commission, um, and he had, obviously, as a, as a barrister, he was very, very well known. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who takes his place and whether they can be someone who forces through some of these changes that he wants or whether that such changes will happen. And I, I might add, I think he also put noses out of joint in his role as Chief Justice within the law community by, you know, things like, I think he stopped um, barristers from getting out and talking in the public outside of court um, about the, you know, sort of press conferencing and things like that. He was very, very anti some of that stuff. So, uh, you know, grandstanding, I think he probably thought it was. So quite a fascinating figure, I think. Now, Mark, a special report this week is agribusiness. Um, The lead, uh, Matt McKenzie's done this, the lead is looking at what are businesses doing to be more competitive in export markets. Yeah, look, uh, Matt's spoken to a a wide range of uh, businesses in that agri sector, um, and with a particular focus on those pursuing export opportunities, um, you know, trying to grow their business and diversify their income, um, dealing with high labour costs, which are a perennial challenge across many businesses in Western Australia, and finding some quite innovative um, approaches and and use of technology. In fact, one example that he spoke to was Galati Group. Now, most people associate that company with with Tony Galati, um, the founder, the face that we see on TV. Um, His son, Frank, has recently taken over as chief executive. Um, Dad's still very much there in the business, uh, but he's got the next generation coming through. So the gradual handover that you often see in family businesses. Um, Another business he's profiled is (coughs) Odium Farms, exporting strawberries. Um, And once again, doing some innovative things. Um, Whamco, they're the big uh, lamb cooperative, uh, getting into China and dairy. You know, there's some some innovative investments happening there. Uh, But Matt's also done an update uh, with our research team on our list of the biggest agribusinesses in Western Australia. Um, yeah, CBH Group sort of is always there at number one, big sort of grain handling and marketing group. Um, Plum Grove, uh, a big grain trader out of Perth. Um, Wellard's the livestock exporter. Uh, Bunge, that's one of quite a few um, grain handlers and exporters that has come into the WA market. Uh, these big international groups, they've actually found it quite challenging mm. to take market share off CBH you know, which is the the big player in the market. But across the top five, annual revenue, five and a half billion dollars. So some serious money in this sector. So we'll have an updated list um, in our BNIQ section on our website and and the full feature will be available on Tuesday after the Easter break. Great. Uh, Thanks, Mark. Our remuneration report is very soon to be out. Uh, In conjunction with BDO, you can now purchase this deep analysis of the remuneration arrangements of more than 1,400 ASX-listed companies. 
a step up from the 2017 report. The 2018 version provides timely research into salaries, bonuses, and full packages of directors and executives, segmented by company size, sectors, and geography. Go to our website, hit the home page, uh, sorry, ho- go to our website homepage, hit the blue button uh, that says remuneration report, and that'll be up there by sh- definitely by Tuesday next week. But uh, have a, there might be a sneaky peek over the weekend. You might be lucky. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to Mark My Words with Mark Powell and Mark Bayer from Business News. For more information, please go to businessnews.com.au forward slash podcasts. And to receive these regularly, search for Business News WA in iTunes or SoundCloud.